Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson here in the WGN Skyline studio. Joining me now on the phone is my Tribune colleague, Bill Ruthart. Bill's been in Iowa recently. Uh, I won't. I, he's in an undisclosed location right now, but it's not Iowa. And uh, but uh, he's been there writing and uh, doing some really great work. And I, and I want to talk to him about a couple of the stories that he wrote. Bill, thanks for joining me this morning. Good to be on as always, Rick. Uh, so I was fascinated by. Uh, your story about Ellen Warren and that, you know, you spent some days on the road going to various events, uh, where she spoke, uh, you know, she is, uh, arguably, uh, the, the front runner or close to it, uh, given the way the Iowa political scene is, is, is mixing out. And, you know, here she has her signature Medicare for all program. And as you wrote, she's not really talking about it. Yeah, not at all. It was it was quite interesting. I mean, it, she's definitely uh, taken a lot of uh, heat from some of the other candidates in terms of not being uh, totally upfront about whether the middle class would pay uh, tax increases under her Medicare for All plan in the last debate. So she went about coming up with a specific funding plan, unlike uh, Bernie Sanders, who is the other major contender who uh, favors Medicare for All. And so she comes out with this with this plan and and insists that the uh, middle class won't uh, pay any tax increases as part of it, that it'll all, all be uh, on corporations and, and the uh, uber wealthy. But then she doesn't talk about it at all on the campaign trail. And I think what that's a reflection of is that it's not necessarily a, a winning issue in Iowa right now. Uh, and a lot of the polling shows that, that uh, while a good chunk of the Democratic electorate does favor Medicare for all, even more folks, uh, upwards of 90 percent, favor uh, adding a public option uh, to Obamacare. And so I think that's part of what we're, we're seeing there on the ground in Iowa is that she'd rather talk about some of these other issues uh, rather than Medicare for all. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a conflicting issue and certainly one that kind of also kind of highlights that differentiation between uh, the progressive candidates versus the the moderate camp and the the concerns where you see uh, particularly among democrats and and trying to appeal to their traditional union allies where health care is a, a matter of uh, contractual uh negotiation and uh, the argument that uh, you know auto workers those uh, larger unions that negotiate health care they come out with a pretty good deal their their members like that that's right. That's exactly. Uh, there was a big uh, union fish fry in Cedar Rapids while I was there. And, uh, you know, that was an audience that was heavily union. And Warren literally went through her entire uh, agenda of, you know, uh, free college, canceling student debt, uh, universal child care, universal pre-care, even got into how much she would give historically black colleges and universities, yet made no mention of Medicare for all. And that's because uh, that you're right. A lot of those folks, uh negotiate for good health care. They like the plans. They want to keep them. In many cases, they've, they've forwent, you know, higher pay for those benefits. And uh, that's why you see things like the National Firefighters Union endorsing uh, Joe Biden, because they like uh, his approach on health care better. And so um, I think that's absolutely an issue for a lot of a lot of those folks uh, in organized labor uh, when it comes to health care. So, 
do we have like an established now you know obviously not that you're the new all be all of iowa but you know you had a you went to the big 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 uh democratic fundraiser the former jefferson jackson uh day fundraising event which is really kind of a can be make or break for candidates and do we have an established kind of tier of candidates as you see it yeah i think absolutely there's four candidates who have kind of separated themselves from the rest of the field and they are in no particular order elizabeth warren bernie sanders uh joe biden and uh, mayor pete Buttigieg. um that was clear not only from the uh, the organizational showing at the dinner but also in, in all of the recent polling in Iowa, Buddha Judge in particular is the one who's really had his numbers move. Uh, some of the more recent polls showing him as high as second place, one point behind Warren and a couple of different polls. He has uh, surpassed Joe Biden, uh, which is a reflection of uh, some moderate folks turning to him. But it, it remains extremely fluid. I, you know, in these polls, uh, upwards of 60% of folks say they're, they've picked the, who picked the candidates that they're willing to change their mind. So, uh, this is going to come down to the end out there, but the dinner was really a place to see not only whether they can give, you know, a soaring speech to inspire, uh, Democrats, which I, I think Warren and, and Buttigieg, uh, were tops in that department, but it's also a chance to show what kind of organization they have, uh, within their campaign and turning out a ton of people uh, to a downtown arena in Des Moines uh, was a big part of that. And, and Buddha judge, uh, I think in some ways surprised folks with, with by far the largest showing filling up almost a quarter of the arena. And there was some, you know, talk of there's this barnstormers group where people flew in from out of state to support him. Uh, however you want to slice it, the fact that his campaign was ever to turn, able to turn out those kinds of numbers um, showed that, you know, he's growing in strength there. Warren uh, also had a very uh, very strong showing at the dinner as well, both in terms of the speech and the number of folks there. Biden, on the other hand, uh, bought tickets for six uh, upper deck sections of the arena that went empty, that his aides literally had fistfuls of these tickets that they couldn't give away uh, to get folks to sit in, that, in his section. So, um, you know, it doesn't mean uh, Joe Biden can't win Iowa, but it's not necessarily a great sign for his campaign right now. And those are the kind of tea leaves you look for at a big event like that. Yeah, it's it's the energy factor. Exactly. And uh, there was, you know, a high level of enthusiasm for, uh, for Buttigieg and Warren and, and Sanders as well. Sanders, in typical uh, fashion, you know, held a march against greed outside the arena that drew about a thousand people, but then didn't buy any tickets for inside the arena. Uh, didn't view that as a good investment from his campaign. Uh, Buttigieg had uh, about 2,300 folks at a rally outside the arena before they all went outside. They're standing out there in the, in the pouring rain to hear a speech from him. Biden, it was more of a traditional uh, convention center ballroom that was like three-quarters of the way full, but not nearly uh, the level of excitement that we saw from uh, from some of the other campaigns. Biden's folks also argue, though, that you know their base is more uh, lower-income folks uh, who maybe don't have the resources to drive across the state on a Friday and take off work to uh, cheer their candidate on. So, you know, there's all kinds of spin that goes on with these things, but uh, it was an interesting moment to kind of put a gauge on uh, how things stand out there. Well, and and I did like the line from, uh, I believe it was from uh, somebody from the firefighters about, you know, alleging uh, that uh, Buttigieg, uh, their people, you know, traveled in from in Indiana to, to, to support him. 
and uh, how Biden had made a similar crack about uh, Obama back in 2008. Yeah, and I think you were you were at that dinner back then. But uh, uh, Biden comes into the arena, and Obama clearly has the most people there. I think it wasn't even uh, as big of a venue back then. It was a it was no, it wasn't hall in, in Des Moines. Yeah. And he greets the Obama section by saying, hello, Chicago, right? Which yes. Kind of dig at, these aren't Iowans, you brought these folks in. But what it ends up, uh, you know, how many of them were from Iowa versus Chicago? In the end, it was it was ultimately very clear that Obama had an unprecedented grassroots operation in Iowa and was a big part of launching his uh, his campaign toward the presidency. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and as you point out, there's plenty of spin with these events, um, but it's it's... Uh, you know, there's the political spin, the candidate spin, but there's also the fact that you, you know, you these candidates do have to make a showing. Uh, they, right. they, they. I mean, it's not just for the media; they have to make a showing, and uh, that's why it's incumbent upon them to have these kind of uh, grassroots organizations or or, or, or well organized organizations that encompass getting grassroots supporters to. Uh, to to show up yeah and i think it's it's particularly important this time around because so many you know i've talked to dozens and dozens and dozens probably hundreds i guess actually of voters in iowa over over the course of the year and you know they all have their issues but i mean top almost among everybody is they want somebody who can beat donald trump and so being able to show that you're viable that you can run a really smart campaign that you can get a lot of people to your events that you can get people excited you know folks are looking for that someone who's going to have that energy in the fall to drive to drive turnout to get people motivated uh to vote for somebody against donald trump and so um, I think that it takes on even even more weight, perhaps this time around, than it than it has in the in the in the past. We're speaking with Bill Ruthart, my Tribune colleague. We're talking about Iowa, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, and the rest of the field. This is the Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pierce from the Chicago Tribune. Joined on the phone by my Tribune colleague, Bill Ruthart. We're talking about uh, the state of play in Iowa. We're talking about that fundraising event uh, for uh, Iowa Democrats with the major candidates. Uh, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg actually leveraged it into a campaign commercial. I am running to be the president who will pick up the pieces of our divided nation and lead us toward real action. We will fight when we must fight. But I will never allow us to get so wrapped up in the fighting that we start to think fighting is the point. The point is what lies on the other side of the fight. The hope of an American experience defined not by exclusion, but by belonging. I'm Pete Buttigieg and I approve this message. So just a flavor of uh, some of the advertising going on in Iowa. But, uh, you know, now, uh, Bill, we get this word that uh, we've got Michael Bloomberg uh, dissatisfied with the moderate faction, Joe Biden, uh, and and figures he needs to weigh in. I'm not exactly sure how uh, in this time of uh, Democrats arguing about income inequality, you have uh, a billionaire like Bloomberg saying, well, maybe I need to step in and fix this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, 
I don't know what he thinks his path is, but it's got to be a difficult one to clear at this point. I mean, it sounds like he's going to forego the first four early states and then get in the campaign, you know, right around Super Tuesday in terms of being on the ballot. Um, you know, he not only has the income inequality issue, but, you know, you have uh, African-Americans are, are a huge voting block within the Democratic Party, and you've got stop and frisk that happened on his watch in New York. Um, it, it just seems... Uh, you know, hard to envision exactly where his support comes from. Uh, but I guess it's upper income, moderate voters who aren't ha- don't think Joe Biden can get the job done and don't think uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, is is ready to be president. Uh, but I don't know if that's a big enough group of people to to really make uh, some serious headway. Jeff Bezos, I saw, encouraged him to get in. So, you know, I just well, there mean, you go. Well, I just mean, you know, I, I mean, can you see Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders? The billionaires are worried about us. Look, they've got Michael Bloomberg running. This shows that we're for real. Actually, actually, actually that was Elizabeth Warren's uh, uh, fundraising email yesterday, I believe. Was oh, so in, in, in case so, in case you missed it, blah blah blah. Here you go. Uh, We've got a call from Ron about the issue about health care. Ron, thanks, as always, for joining the Sunday Spin. Yes, good morning, Tim. Uh, you know, Bill, I think that the health care is still going to be one of the primary issues. But in addition to that, regarding the, the, the economy, because the president is going to run on that, is there some kind of narrative that the Democrats can present as far as this economy? We hear a lot about the gig economy and stuff, but it, is there some kind of way they can at least talk about the economy and gain some attention? Thanks, guys. Thank you, Ron. Yeah, Ron, that's a good question. I mean, I think what we're hearing, the economy certainly isn't among even the top three or four issues that these candidates are talking about. They are, they would rather talk about uh, health care and income, income equality and, and uh, education issues. However, when you do hear them get around to it, I think what they say is, yeah, unemployment may be low, but let's look at the, the kind of jobs people are working these days. You know, it's they have to work two and three minimum wage jobs to get by or – uh, the benefits aren't what they used to, or salaries, their wages are depressed. Uh, it's tougher to organize in, in some of these states with unions. I think these are some of the issues uh, that they talk about. And I think, you know, that resonates, particularly in some of these rural areas where, you know, folks maybe just aren't quite seeing uh, the, the boost from the economy that, that, you know, folks in places like Chicago and New York might. Um, but it'll be interesting to see that I think, you know, whoever emerges as a candidate to face Trump is going to have to have a real strategy on that because you're right, the, the, the president's going to point to the Dow Jones and he's going to point to uh, unemployment. Uh, but I do think there's a message that will resonate with folks uh, as we've seen, you know, wages and in, in, in some industries kind of stagnate while these CEOs uh, do just bring in record profits. Plus, I think also, you know, more more localized to, to Iowa would be uh, the issue of the, the status of the farm economy. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and actually you can apply that to Wisconsin and, and to a lesser extent Michigan, uh, where, uh, you know, the trade war with China has, uh, you know, soybeans rotting in bins in some of these states, uh, and, and the markets are all over the place, and then there's tariffs on, on, on some of these products that folks in these states uh, produce. So it, it gets complicated uh, quickly, even down to E85 biofuels and some of the policies the, presidents have done, the president has done there that, that hasn't made folks happy. So um, I think there's a lot of different ways uh, – you know, these arguments can be made depending on the state, especially in some of these swing states. 
Do you think, you know, given the talk, and I'm not saying that it's a wise strategy because I've heard other candidates talk about bypassing early states before, but, I mean, given what you saw, for, for example, at the former J.J. dinner, uh, has Iowa lost any of its luster as that first-in-the-nation caucus state? I mean, I, I don't think it has among Iowans, obviously. They love it, right? And, in fact, you know, uh, the candidates that talk about eliminating the Electoral College, Pete Buttigieg being one of them, you, you, you talk to voters afterwards, they, they groan about that, right, because that would reduce the importance of Iowa. And, and uh, you know, the candidates would just go campaign where, where the most people are. Um, I, you know, I still think Iowa matters a lot, and I think that um, – Momentum matters in presidential races, and each one of those first four states, Iowa, New Hampshire, uh, Nevada, and South Carolina, um, those are major moments in the campaign uh, where, you know, you get out to that early lead, uh, whoever it is in those four states, it matters because it's, you know, this is an exercise in, in collecting delegates in these places, especially with, you know, if you have a field that still has, you know, three, four, five candidates after those early states, um, it's kind of a war of attrition, and whoever gets the leg up early is, is going to have an advantage. I mean, we saw that uh, last time with Hillary Clinton. You know, she got a leg up in delegates early, and while Bernie did well and won some, you know, some surprising victories in places like Michigan and competed very closely in Illinois, he just there was never enough delegates for him to to, to make up, you know, catch and make up the lead. Of course, there was the issue of super delegates that held more emphasis back then too, and and made it more difficult for uh, for Sanders to compete with the establishment. But uh, I think those those early states still matter, and Iowa being the first is 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 arguably the most important of them all. I think you make a very good point, and and while the caucus itself doesn't decide directly the delegates it leads to a cumbersome process that eventually leads to delegates but it is it's all about the delegates and very important as we get to the filing deadlines of these states that you know these projected front runners um, see if they've got a full slate of delegates filed because it's all about counting the delegates that's bill ruthart tribune political reporter my colleague on the political team thank you so much for joining me this morning Good to be on, Rick.